From the Central Adelaide Local Health Network, this is Research Pulse, where we discuss the latest world-class health research from Carlin and how it's contributing to world-class care. Since late 2022, there's been a lot of hype about the impacts of artificial intelligence and machine learning. However, has it yet had any real effect on the health system? G'day, I'm Drew Radford, and the answer to that is yes, as the technology is now being put to use in the Central Adelaide Health Network. It's assisting predicting stroke outcomes within the first 24 hours of arriving at a hospital. Central to this work is Dr Stephen Backey, neurology registrar and researcher at the Royal Adelaide Hospital. He won the SA Health Young Professional of the Year Award in 2021, and he's recently been nominated for an SA Science and Innovation Excellence Award for his PhD work. And he joins us for this Research Pulse podcast. Stephen, thanks for your time. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about the research, Drew. Stephen, I'm actually genuinely fascinated about this research. I get to speak to a lot of really interesting people in this series, but yours piques my interest because of this unique mix, I guess. You've got a real passion for the medical applications of machine learning and artificial intelligence. I find that a bit of an unusual combination. It might be more common into the future, but where does that come from? I've always had an interest in data-driven decision-making. I think in medicine, we have to do everything that's within our power to make the most accurate decisions that we can. And using tools like artificial intelligence and machine learning is going to hopefully improve our decision-making processes moving into the future. This is something I've been interested in since medical school. You actually get your hands dirty in it, though, in the IT side, for want of a better description. I mean, I understand you make websites as a hobby. That's correct. So programming is a very versatile skill. It's something I was fortunate to learn during medical school. And you can use it to make artificial neural networks. You can also use it to make websites as well. That sounds like a fantastic combination to be applied for the research that you've actually been doing. Now, you've been working on a solution to reduce the uncertainty that clinicians deal with during the acute stage after a stroke. So what does that uncertainty look like? Uncertainty is inherent in medicine. It's both there for patients, clinicians, patient families. And you know, it can be as simple as when am I going to leave hospital? Where am I going to go when I leave hospital? This is all parts of medicine, but sometimes it's particularly clear for stroke. As in the previous episode you had with Professor Kleinig, stroke is a major source of morbidity and mortality. And some of the uncertainty in the decision-making process is there around, uh, will I go to rehab? Will I go home? does involve a fair bit of planning and assessment. And we've been trying to use algorithms to help predict aspects of people's journey in hospital so it can be streamlined around organising transport and scripts ahead of time. So can you tell me about how you're using the machine learning to actually solve this problem? So machine learning is a subset of artificial intelligence. It's essentially using algorithms and statistical models to derive rules from data without explicitly telling them how to do so. And there are many applications in healthcare and one of those in the way we've been using here is using data available from the first 24 hours of a stroke patient's admission to predict outcomes around will they survive to leave hospital, how long will they be in hospital for, what will their level of disability be at the time of discharge from hospital, and also what discharge destination will they go to. So, for example, will they go to rehabilitation, like a rehabilitation hospital, or will they go home? And the models have performed reasonably well. 
Well, what have your findings been? In these processes, you have to go through a few steps to make sure the model is effective and accurate. So in the first place, you have to derive the models and make them in the first instance. Then once you develop them, you have to validate them on a separate data set. So we've done this work in collaboration with the Lyle McEwen Hospital and Flinders Medical Center. And then ultimately you need to implement them because accurate models don't necessarily improve outcomes. You have to show that separately. And we've now implemented it and shown that it improves some outcomes. Okay, so you've got outcomes from that. What do they look like? What impacts do these predictions have on patients and the hospital? And this is where it's fascinating. And this is where there's so much research that needs to be done, Drew, which is the actual implementation of artificial intelligence in healthcare systems is dependent on the system in which they're used. These algorithms are not independent of the healthcare system. They're a part of it and they need to work with that system. So what we did was in the stroke unit at the Royal Adelaide Hospital, there's a multidisciplinary meeting every morning at 8am. So for all the admissions in the previous 24 hours, we would generate a prediction prior to that morning meeting and then feed that through to the staff members, in particular the interns who are trainee medical officers. And then with just that information being provided for the patients that predictions were made for, there was actually a reduction in the length of time they were in hospital by around two days. It didn't change where they went when they left hospital. It didn't change their outcomes, which it's not expected to. It just hopefully streamlined their way to the destination that they were always going to go to. That's got to be a very important outcome, particularly when resources are limited. Yeah, absolutely correct. In that when someone's admitted to hospital, one of the first things they want to know is when they can get home often. But it's also that being in hospital puts people sometimes at risk around, you know, it's not their home environment, there's a risk of falls, sometimes there can be a risk of infections in hospital, and people will always do better in their home environment when we can facilitate that safely. So anything that we can do to help them get to their home environment where they're comfortable in a faster, safer way and be advantageous. And it also frees up spaces for more people who need acute hospital services. Earlier on, Stephen, you you mentioned that this is part of the broader system. I'm guessing really this is another tool in the toolbox. It doesn't replace your and your team's decision making. I guess it reinforces it. That's spot on. So this sort of technology, this sort of tool is to help facilitate the work that healthcare professionals are already doing. It's not a replacement, it's to augment what's already being done. So this is not going to replace the doctor saying someone's safe to go home. It's just an extra prompt or an extra piece of information that's making a probabilistic prediction around what's likely to happen that people can then incorporate into their existing decision-making processes. I'd imagine that's a pretty important message considering the amount of, for want of a better description, hype we've seen about artificial intelligence over the last 12 months and the threat to people's jobs and employment. This is a tool for you and your team to get better outcomes as opposed to a threat. I completely agree. I think that those headlines about artificial intelligence outperforms so-and-so are certainly attention-grabbing, particularly for people working in those areas, but pragmatically in Australian healthcare, we need to have doctors and other healthcare professionals in a position to make these decisions and own these decisions from a human standpoint. And the artificial intelligence is not a replacement. It's a tool to help them do their jobs. So Stephen, what's the next step? 
So the next step moving forwards, we've done this for stroke and we're now looking to apply the same approaches to other areas. So we're already conducting similar research in general medicine where the algorithms can actually read medical notes and make predictions around when people will leave hospital and where they'll go. And there's also some other work being done in general surgery, in particular the Adelaide score, which is being run by Dr. Joshua Kovor, who I think will be an excellent person to feature on this podcast in future. Stephen, working in South Australia, does that provide a unique environment for actually getting great patient outcomes because of the research environment that exists? I'm passionate about medical research. I think it's an incredibly important thing we can do to improve our patients' outcomes. And we are lucky to collaborate with a diverse group of people from medical students through to senior consultants. And that sort of team approach to research, even starting at a very early stage, I think is vital to improving our healthcare system. Lastly, Stephen, is there any key takeaway for clinicians listening to this? The key takeaway from me would be that AI in healthcare has to be shown to improve patients' outcomes and work in the healthcare systems where those patients are being cared for. AI is a powerful tool, but it's a tool that has to work with the system and the people in that system to improve outcomes. Well, Stephen, you certainly seem to have a unique mix of data and clinical skills to help achieve those outcomes. For now, though, Dr. Stephen Backey, Neurology Registrar and Researcher at the Royal Adelaide Hospital, thanks for joining us for this Research Pulse podcast. Thank you very much, Drew. It's been great fun. Thank you for listening to Research Pulse. For more episodes in this series, find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or rating and share this series with your colleagues and friends. If you'd like to contact us, you can find an email address in this episode description. This podcast was developed by the Central Adelaide Local Health Network. We would like to acknowledge the Ghana people and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge their spiritual connection to the land on which this podcast is recorded. As part of the oldest living culture in the world, we draw inspiration from their deep knowledge of traditional foods, medicine and remedies.